1: Football fans, it's been a long time coming. But to steal a line from Sam Ellinger from Texas, we're back. It's another episode of the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. And it's once again, we're finally back. It's Joe Talk. It only took us about a month and a half to finally get back together. But it's me, Joe Serpico. And on the other line, it's Joe Brobeck. My friend, how you been?
0: You know, that might have been your best intro ever. Well, I stole somebody's work, so
1: it should be pretty good.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. uh. How's it been, buddy? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Welcome to the Mar- well, Merry It's like I said before, welcome to Merry Life, but I don't know anything about it.
0: It's yeah, uh, you know, I made it. I made it to 2019. I uh, made a nice addition to the family, or she made a nice addition to her family, whatever you want to say. Got a puppy and life's pretty good.
1: Life's good for you.
0: Life is good.
1: That is good to hear. I've been working my tail off lately. But other than that, no complaints. Only complaint I'll really make, I guess, is that college football is over. So that's part of the reason why we're doing this episode here. Amen. Yeah, it's uh it's a sad time because now is that time of year where well, really all we got is the NFL. And even that's about to come to an end shortly, soon, too. But we felt the need that since it's been so long since we've done an episode, we're going to have a lengthy one here. There's a, been a lot that we've missed over this time when we talk about UCF finally losing. It only took 25 games for them to finally be dethroned as champions. We've got some coaching changes. we got some teams still looking for coaches. And then... We've got the usual bottom feeders and some whole lot of news out of Houston. So we'll get to that at some point in this episode. But I guess let's just get it started. I kind of alluded to them a little bit, and that was UCF, 25-game winning streak, finally snapped in the Fiesta Bowl loss to LSU. And that comes after, because it's been that long since we've done an episode, that comes after beating Memphis in that AAC championship game. Um, they finished number 11 in the poll. I guess the thing that really sticks out to me for UCF is, I said going into that game against LSU, I didn't think they really stood a chance. You give me Mackenzie Milton, though, that's a different ballgame.
0: I just think the stress of trying to keep winning finally caught up to them. It like almost, Almost like losing to Memphis in the championship game might have actually been better for them. I don't know. It was you know like you said it was it was a good run twenty five games is nothing to laugh at it's it was it was fun to watch and experience I mean, you and I experienced all twenty five games so, together so that was that was pretty fun and it's tough yeah that Milton went down but I don't know they they still could have won that game even without Milton
1: they almost did I mean I guess that's what I really want to talk about because after the fact LSU they said that. There was no way that UCF could play in the SEC and I thought that was pretty laughable considering the fact that you know they were leading fourteen to three at one point and then you know they rallied late to make it a ball game. You know, you, you know, any that what was that, that last drive, I think it ended in uh, I can't remember exactly now if it was a turnover or a turnover on downs, but you know, they they were in position to keep playing with LSU the whole time. And this comes a year after beating Auburn. Um, we just saw last night that even Alabama, maybe they're not as, um, I mean, they're still great. Don't get me wrong. But they're not the same powerhouse as they were because Clemson really took it to them last night. So all this talk that UCF couldn't compete, I think, is uh, complete BS. I think they actually, even in a loss, they they represented the conference well, even though the conference as a whole really didn't represent well, in bowl season at least.
0: Yeah, it was Definitely frustrating to watch, at least the beginning. And then Cincinnati and, I guess, UCF losing doesn't really help, but at least Cincinnati showed up.
1: Well, here's here's my thing with that. So it's not like, you know, when we talk about these games for the AAC in bowl games, they're playing quality competition. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like, other than, okay, just let me, I have all, so UCF, or excuse me, USF lost to Marshall. Solid team this year, right? Memphis lost a week. AAC team. Temple got pounded by Duke. We'll talk about that a lot, a little bit. But, I mean, there, there's all these games against Power 5 teams, and I guess that's what we really wanted to see. I think the worst one, without a doubt, is the way the Houston just got... I mean, I don't even know what you say. Would you call that? That's not a beatdown. Embarrassing? I don't... Have... I don't know if there's a the right word for what happened in that game.
0: I... <sighs> Yeah, it was one of those you get to halftime and you realize, what what am I going to say? Like what what do you write in a recap that describes a 70 to 14 beatdown? No, other than that.
1: That's what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah. Now, we talked about UCF. I there was one more thing I really want to talk about, Joey Connor's lit up. Joe Burrow I was impressed. Yeah, you lit him up pretty good. But I give Bur- b- I give Burrow credit for you know I mean he came back he came back strong that game too.
0: Yeah, he played well. My bi- well, so two things with the UCF game was the first thing was it seemed like the coaching staff just like the Memphis game was really focused on getting him comfortable with it. The, they ran quick screens. They ran they ran the ball just to get him like rhythm, and then. It was like towards the end of the second quarter, beginning of the third quarter, they just decided, hey, he's going to win us the game, and we're going to throw downfield a lot. It just seemed like, I don't know, they didn't run the ball as much. They expected Mac to make all these big throws when he he couldn't. Mm -hmm. It just kind of took him out of the game. And the second thing is, going back to my point about maybe a loss would have helped them, UCF at the beginning was so focused on talking trash to LSU at the beginning, and it was just like
1: I mean, that, that was almost that, that more important that Connors play. They got a the fifteen yard flag on it for talking trash after the fact,
0: right? Or then like I don't remember who did it, but the guy gets a sack or gets a fumble recovery, or whatever, and then he like, spikes the ball as he's celebrating, which mm-hmm. what however you feel it doesn't matter. Like you can't do that. You have to have more composure than that if you're going to beat a Power 5 team. And it's almost like like they did that last year, but it's almost like this year they said, well, we don't have to do that anymore because we won 25 games in a row. It's like you can't just like give up your discipline just because you think you're better than everybody else does.
1: I have no arguments with that. I do think – I mean if that's a team you're going to lose to, if you're UCF, uh, you put that on your resume, my one loss is to LSU – and I don't have the final rankings in front of me, but I'm pretty sure LSU was ranked in the top, I would say top six probably. Yeah, I think so. I think that's where they ended up. So, I, I you know what I mean? Like, if you're talking about in 26 games, you have one loss to an LSU team that's pretty good. I don't think that's anything to uh, be ashamed of. And, the, you know, the, we know that they're going to build on that. We already know that UCF is going to continue to rise, at least... I guess now the real question is: Will be all eyes on whether Milton does come back next year or not? Because that knee injury. Yeah, from what I it's bad. All, yeah, it's bad. He's already had like four or five surgeries already. So they don't know if he's going to really make the comeback. But I, I hope, right. I hope for you know his sake that he does.
0: And even if he does, the, the scary thing is, what what is he going to be like, even if he does come back?
1: Yeah, I think this is one of those injuries because I I do think that he would – I never would have said he would have been a high-round pick, but I do think he would have went to, to the league. I think this injury really damages any of that potential, if it's really as bad as they say it is. If I understood it right, it's almost as bad as what Teddy Bridgewater did to himself.
0: That's what everybody's saying, but I haven't seen anything confirming that.
1: I guess I guess it's one of, you know, everybody's body's different, so I guess we'll just see how the rehab plays out. Right. Wishing them the best, obviously. I guess this is the time we'll transition into Cincinnati. They are one of the few teams that actually picked up a win in bowl season. A 11-2 and record, which is only the third time in school history that the team has finished with 11 wins, so I feel like that is pretty impressive. But I guess the more recent news that it was we should talk about it was the fact that Luke Fickle was almost gone. He was seriously considered for the WVU job before Neil Brown uh, took that job. So Luke Fickle is already seems to be looking outside of the conference after a solid year. Do you think he's actually going to survive? Maybe I mean if they have another solid season next year. Do you think they're going to survive and keep him around or not? Well, so here's the thing with that. Their schedule this year is rough. I looked at it it, already.
0: But if you if you go, why would you go to West Virginia after being in Cincinnati? Like Cincinnati is a way, not way better, but I would say that's a better better program. If Luke Fickle keeps going in the direction he's going, plus recruiting, like who you can recruit out of West Virginia. Yeah, I, like, there's a reason why Dana Holgerson left to Houston.
1: You stole the words right out of my mouth. That's what I was just about to say. There, there's a reason why he left there.
0: I mean, I, I'm not saying, like, any program in the AAC is better than West Virginia, but Cincinnati, with w- where they are in terms of recruiting and where the program's going, it seems like West Virginia is always a eight-win team. Like, that was the best team that they've had talent-wise in a long time. Like they, maybe since probably since Geno Smith and Tavon Austin and they won and they went eight and four,
1: yeah, they won nothing.
0: which I was kind of annoyed with, but I mean that's why that's why Dana left, and he's, he's went to a G5 school from a P5.
1: Yeah, we'll talk a lot more about Dana in a second, but I do think you know, with fickle staying, Cincinnati, yeah, I just mentioned that they have a rough schedule, but they do have a lot to build around especially when you you have Ritter coming back, you got Warren coming back. Probably more. I don't know. Does more than more have like a ninth year of eligibility? Uh <laughs> No, probably not. Oh, he's not coming back. I felt like he would still be there for another for his ninth year.
0: Maybe he is. I don't know. He took over for that uh for the rest of the game cuz Ritter got hurt yes. in the ball game. Yeah, yeah.
1: That well that's honestly so like the funny thing is, a friend of mine asked me right away. He was like, God, Hayden Moore still around. I was like, yeah, that's what we joke about all the time. He's been there for 10 years. God, has been around forever.
0: Since then, he's not winning eight games next year.
1: No, no. Just because I looked at their schedule, it is a rough
0: UCLA schedule. and Ohio State to start, and then to finish, they go, oh.
1: Their C oh, no. schedule on the road is rough.
0: I thought the schedule was already out for some reason. The last three games listed are at Houston, at Memphis, at USF, but they don't have the dates yet because it hasn't been released. No,
1: no, but I do know all their road games are like they're the tougher road games in conference. (sighs) And then you mentioned that out of conference schedule, which is pretty rough itself. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they're not. We'll be talking about them maybe getting to seven wins next year. Yeah,
0: I think this year was an that'll anomaly, be, but I still I mean, think they're still going in the right direction.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. I think that'll still be impressive. If you finish with that schedule we just kind of alluded to, finish somehow with 7-8 wins, that's not bad at all. I hope they start 2-0. That'd be hilarious. So do I. I mean, that's what we're here for, right? We want these teams to win. Exactly. Some of them. Some more than others. All right, let's talk about a team that has won eight games for five years in a row, the only—I think right I hope I'm right when I say that—the only team in the conference that's done that is Memphis Tigers, coming off at an eight and six season. They too lost in the bowl game, but at least they were a little bit more respectable compared to some of the other teams in the conference when they got killed. Um, once again, AAC West champions, and this—I mean—we kind of talked about it all season we thought Houston was going to run away with it and then we thought, oh, maybe Tulane would sneak in there and then, sure enough, Memphis just steady Eddie snuck into that, into that game. And I think we should definitely talk about the fact that Daryl Henderson, the first All-American in school history, even though he didn't play in the bowl game, um, the guy's going to be a stud at the next level. I think you and I both agree on that. Yeah, he's fun. I'm
0: kind of mad he's leaving, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, but what are you going to do? Can't blame them. No, exactly. Patrick Taylor would be just fine.
1: Well, that's the, thing. Uh, that's the thing. Next year, so all their playmakers come back. You're going to have Taylor back, Pollard will be back, Hoxie's back. But their problem is going to be is their O-line's not coming back.
0: Yeah, they got to replace three guys. But Well, and their coaching staff. But, oh, yeah. you know, Mike Norvell's still there in – as long as he th- he's there, I have no concerns about this team.
1: Does it surprise that he's still there?
0: A little. I thought last year he was gone for sure. This year it didn't seem like there were that many jobs that were that enticing for him. So it was almost like if he did leave, it would be like, well, why would you leave? You're leaving for, like, I don't know. It's like when Chad Morris left SMU to go coach Arkansas – Well, first, his record was pretty average, but, like, why would you go to Arkansas and just get beat up by the SEC West?
1: And that's exactly what happened this year.
0: You know, and it's, I mean, not that he was guaranteed to win in the AAC, but why would you go be, you're going to Arkansas. Good luck. Like, Derek Fadden and Felix Jones aren't walking in the door anytime soon.
1: There's a trip down memory lane. Run DMC, so, Mr. Glass. Yes, exactly. Just I
0: don't. It you know I don't know. So no, I wasn't. I wasn't surprised that he's still around after this year. But I mean, if they make it back to the conference championship again next year, then the, I would be very, very surprised if he was still around for a fifth year.
1: And there's really not much to. You know what I mean? Like they can actually do that again. That wouldn't be a shock to me and you. I don't think if they pulled that off again.
0: Well, who's their their competition's gonna be? Who? Houston again?
1: It'll be Houston again, exactly. I mean, it'll be a, a different Ooh. Houston team now that the Holgerson will be there. But
0: I mean, you could argue Tulane and SMU again, but maybe I don't know.
1: We'll talk about that. Let's let's <laughs> let's get it. Well, actually, let's just do Houston because we just talked about them. They buckle have, up, people. Exactly. They have every team in this conference has had, well, I won't say every team because those, the next team we're going to talk about has had themselves quite uh, an offseason, I guess, if you want to call it that. But let's start with Houston. Obviously, we talked about it earlier, the 70-14 to 14 loss, the largest defeat in bowl history, okay? We're talking about Army. It's not like we're talking about a team that airs it out, you know, this high, prolific offense that is used to scoring all these points. No, this is Army. Who runs the option, who scored 70 points? That's just ridiculous. Now, I understand, okay, we were talked about early in the season, especially I mean, leading up to his injury, Derrick King was the player of the year in the conference. And then you lose four or five, you lose that Oliver, you fire your defensive coordinator. All this happens in the final three, four weeks of the season, and then you get exactly what happened that's a major Apple White fired. And arguably, the, if I can say that word, arguably, the wildest coaching decision of the season. you agree with that by bringing in Hogerson and the price that they paid. Yeah, I like it though. Oh, well, I love every second of it. You know what I didn't know? And he apparently he was still doing a weekly radio show, or like you know, making an appearance on a weekly radio show in Houston the entire time he was in West Virginia. Really? Yeah, I found that out doing my little research, and I was just like, man, that makes sense because just working two years, you know, under like Kevin Kevin Sundland when he did, you know, that wasn't for me was just like, okay, it's like that that's not enough for him to keep coming, you know, make really come back other than the money, obviously. But then when I heard that little tidbit, I was like, huh, maybe he really well, didn't know- like Houston that much.
0: Did you know that he has, he still has a house in Houston?
1: Well, I I didn't know that, but like these rich guys got houses everywhere.
0: Yeah. Well, and See, he's good buddies with what's his face, the guy who is the billionaire booster, whatever his name is. Yeah. yeah, he. So, a lot of factors added up.
1: I mean, I think it was a. You said it. I said, it. great move for them. Uh, one of my good friends. He's. He go or he went to West Virginia, and he was just like a complete distraught. Like, why would you leave West Virginia to go to a you know to a G five school? But like we have been talking, get fired. Well, that is maybe one of the, one of the reasons too. But like we have talked about this all the time, Houston might be considered a G five school because of the the conference that they're in. But we all know when it comes to the money part, Houston is not G five whatsoever. If you know anything about college athletics, you know Houston has some money and they can throw it around.
0: Which is why everybody was frustrated with Major Applewhite because, well, okay, here's look: Major Applewhite is going to be just fine. Like I, I don't, I don't dislike him. I don't think anybody hated him. They did just they didn't like how at- things were. Uh, he's at Miami with that's right, Manny. Manny Diaz. Yeah, we'll talk about him but in a
1: second. Don't worry.
0: It's it, it just like he's – his personality is not really like a head coach personality. He just He's not going to like make you want to run through a wall. He's just very steady and calm and like he knows his X's and O's, but I just don't think that he was head coaching material. And it's almost – Fitting that the army game happened and it was the perfect way to kind of end his tenure, if you want to call it a perfect way.
1: I mean, there were reports that it was already kind of being discussed before that game, but that definitely did it to him. Like, that did him in.
0: You just can't go seven and five and eight and five in two years.
1: Well, and then there was the fact that, um, and I hope I can't remember now if it was the president or the AD basically said, you know, we're Houston, we don't accept eight and four. We we expect to be a ten win team every year,
0: which they should with with all the talent that's in their backyard. I was so frustrated with the last two recruiting classes. There's like a couple of good guys, and like this year, I said it. I said it feels like Houston is beating out a bunch of lower G five and. FCS schools for the recruits and like that does, does that get anybody excited? I get it's not going to be an Ed Oliver every single time, but like if you're beating out Southern Miss and Alcorn State for a guy, is that? I mean, it's it's one thing if it's one guy, but if you're if you have say twelve recruits and ten of them are those kind of guys, like you're not going to find ten gems. You might find one or two.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, just because I did, I looked it up earlier, as of today, Houston's ranked sixth in the conference in terms of recruiting for next year.
0: That's which just, they should be first or second. They should, they should
1: always be, comp- be first or second in this.
0: Conference. They should be competing with they. Sh- it should be UCF and Houston, one and two, every single year.
1: I ar- I would argue it should be you know because Houston has the more long more long term success. You know what I mean? That, that they should always be like – UCF is more the new thing. You know what I mean? It's a flashy thing right now. So, yeah, okay, they're going to get some big recruits. Don't get me wrong. But Houston, since basically the conference has started, has been, I would argue, the most winning team.
0: Yeah, so consistently. Would,
1: and then, you know, even their history before that, you would think, you know, it would help them be – I mean, what, what's the number that I have? Them at? There are 70, 72 right now. Like, that's not where Houston should be. No, and maybe and so, so I don't know exactly because I haven't been following you. Maybe you know better, but maybe this whole this whole coaching change has something to do with that. Maybe people have de- decommitted since. I'm not sure. Actually, no, because now we have this new signing period, so they can't decommit now. They've already signed a lot of these kids.
0: Well, I do. do I don't know because I read something that Dana said. If if kids want to back out of their letters of intent, he's not going to get in their way. So can you like, can you can you do that if it's a new coach? Like, is sure. that allowed? I'm not sure how that works. You know, cause, you know, because I'd be hey, okay with some of those kids not <laughs> not hey, coming to Houston.
1: If some of those things, is, hey, it's just like Manny Diaz, man. You know, you can just change your mind the last second.
0: <laughs> Seriously,
1: you just change your mind. You know, go take another, go somewhere else. Well, and Houston
0: want. has, like, five more slots still open anyways, even if none of those kids d- decide to leave or c- can. I don't even know if they can still. But, I mean, Dana's going to try to figure out something to bring them up. I don't know what he's going to do at this point, but is he going to bring some West Virginia kids? I don't even know what West Virginia's ranked in terms of recruiting.
1: Oh, same here, to be honest me. I, Maybe he does manage to flip a couple – because right now Houston has nothing but three stars. Maybe he managed to get some four star to get in there somehow. Because just based on his name alone, maybe it's possible.
0: Yeah, but, I don't, I don't know. It's it's not
1: good. It's, it's late in the game now. That's the problem.
0: Yeah, and I think I think honestly, people are confident that that things can turn around now. If you had Major Applewhite, they. would they probably wouldn't feel that way.
1: No, no arguments there. All right, I, it's, it's time to talk the debacle that is going on in North Philadelphia. We kind of mentioned him just a second ago, and as Manny Diaz, you know, he can just do whatever he pleases. Temple said two coaches leave in less than three weeks, and they're still in the market for a coach. Jeff Collins decided to go to Georgia Tech. Took a bunch of coaches with him in the process. Manny Diaz, originally committed to being the head coach at Miami. And now here's my thing, okay? Mark Richter tires, and I said it right away. As soon as I saw the news, I was like, I know for a fact that Diaz didn't sign that contract yet. And I said, he's good as gone. But I knew it right away. It was just one of those things when I heard that Rick was going to retire, which that shocked me itself. We could talk about that, I guess, for a second, too. I don't think anybody saw Mark Richt retiring.
0: Temple should hire Mark Richt.
1: Yeah, okay. another quitter? Well, it's better than what you got now. We're going to talk about who we got right now. We're going to talk about who we got right now. Actually, Who's the
0: guy that gave that speech?
1: That was the. Ed Foley, int- who is the special teams coach, who at this point. I, that I, guy. Hope, I hope that guy becomes the coach. He has been the interim coach now after Jeff Collins and Matt Rule. He has coached the past two bowl games when our coaches <clears throat> have quit on us.
0: You don't like quitters,
1: do you? I don't like quitters whatsoever. Finish the season now. That's and fair. then if Manny many I mean, the many die things. I mean, is he a quitter? He never even started, so I guess you can't really call somebody a quitter if you never started. Well,
0: he did, didn't he? Sign like his contract and everything. So yeah, he did quit.
1: No, he never signed anything. That's why I knew. It, that's why I knew he was good as gone. There was nothing actually in stone.
0: But didn't Temple get money?
1: Temple did get money.
0: So then he did sign something.
1: Yeah, maybe he signed something. I don't know. He didn't sign his official con- you know, cause those contracts, they stretch and we all they stretched months and months in. That's why I was just like, mm, he's he's gone. Because mm-hmm. that was his dream job. So that's why I, I knew right away that I was like, okay, he's he's not coming. He's gonna take right. that job. He's like, why wouldn't he? That's literally what I said. So why wouldn't he? So now the rumors are Northern Illinois, Rob Carey. Um, there's like Josetta, uh, Ed Foley, uh, Greg Schiano, who I really hope doesn't get the job. I'm pulling, well, I was pulling for two guys. One of those guys apparently took a job today, so that's not going to happen. I was hoping for Todd Bowles, the New York Jets coach, but it sounds like he is going with Arians to the Bucs. So it's in my eyes, it's either Ed Foley, the guy we just talked about, or Fran Brown, who was supposed to join Diaz's staff, who has ties with Temple. He was already on the staff with Matt Rule in the past. At this point, just give the man the job. Give somebody the job who wants to be there. That's <laughs> yeah, you got to be want. able to move on. I want I want somebody who wants the job. It doesn't seem like all these guys don't seem like they really want the job. Ed Foley would take that job, and he's not going anywhere. I don't have to worry about that. Same with Fran Brown. Exactly. Like I know those two guys, they would stick around for a while. The rest of these guys... I don't know about that. Mike Elko is another name they're talking about. He's the a&M coordinator. He's at a&M now. You think he's going to stay at Temple long? No. Don uh, Don Brown's another name. Michigan coordinator. Another guy. Same deal. Like I don't think he would stay long. Now the argument for Greg Schiano is he has obviously been the coach in the area because Rutgers really isn't that far away. And Temple has done actually a very good job as of late snatching up a lot of guys from that area that would normally go to Rutgers. I guess that's not really saying much because Rutgers is terrible. But, I mean, we know the background with Schiano at Penn State, but I'm also, I don't know, there's just something about the way Schiano carries himself that I'm not a fan of. And I think that's what I've what we saw about him when he was with the Bucks too. So for me... Hire Foley. That's it. That's the only guy I want. Unless... I don't even know.
0: Hey, if I get a speech like that every Al, single week, i mean, give me,
1: Al, give me Al Golden every week. Give me Al Golden back at this point. I, well, I was kind of... That's kind of
0: desperate. Al Golden, really?
1: I was hoping Bruce Arians would come back. I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Literally looking for somebody who wants to be there. Not all these jobs where they're just kind of using us. I mean, Jeff Collins literally dipped out like that. Uh-huh. Literally in uh-huh. and out. Just like Adazzo did. At least Rule and Golden, you know, they, they they at least saw an entire class play out. The other two just were in and out. Broke my heart. Or we can actually hire. There's one other guy we can hire. I don't know if you saw this news, but there was the um, the the guy who drunkenly messaged the president and asked for his daughter to be the head coach at Temple University. I don't know if you saw that.
0: <laughs> I I think I did, but I didn't look. I didn't read it was that much.
1: Hammered. you could tell just by the way he was typing. It. He was hammered, <laughs> drunk. Keep her in consideration at this point. Just. For for his sake. Seriously. And for the president's sake. He found your email that easily. All right. Let's get out of my temple rant. Let's talk about a team that... I guess surprised us in the sense of... Because... I mean, before the season, we knew they were that sleeper team. season started, we were like... We don't know what to make this team. It ended up being a... Positive record... actually in the conference and as a whole, ended the season with a 41-24 win over... And I'm never going to call them Louisiana. They're still ULL to me. But that would be Tulane with their first bowl win since 2002 and only the fifth in their 125-year history of football. That kind of blew my mind a little bit.
0: Hmm. Hmm. So are we going to do this... uh... Tulane is the Dark Horse team in the conference again, and then they lose their first three or four or whatever.
1: So I actually did a little bit of research on them already, too. So Justin McMillian, who went 4-1 and one as a starter, he comes back. He does? I thought he was a senior. Oh, he comes back. If I did my research right, I read this from uh, some Louisiana paper. I'm pretty sure it was. Huh. The top five backs are back. Darnell Mooney's back, who put on a show in that game against Louisiana. Mm-hmm. 15 of the top 20 tacklers are also back. And a pretty pretty favorable schedule.
0: Unlike this year.
1: Unlike this year, yes. Their schedule this year was pretty rough. So, yeah. Tulane next year. I th- I think they the hype around them was one year a little bit too early. Granted, I think we're also forgetting the fact that they did finish tied for first in the AAC West. Believe it or not.
0: You know, they could they could make a run because Houston has to play Oklahoma, Washington State, and North Texas next year. So they they could it could be Tulane and Memphis.
1: That's that's a solid schedule right there.
0: Yeah, that's tonight. that's playoff worthy if they win.
1: Yeah. They're gonna have a ton of questions headed in the year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the only problem.
1: <laughs> I mean we don't even know if King's gonna be ready. Based on his injury, do we know he'll be ready?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was just a meniscus. Not that that's, like, an easy injury to come back from, but, yeah, he'll be fine.
1: All right, I guess we will talk about the last team that finished with a winning record in the conference, and that's team that's Joe's favorite. That's those USF Bulls. Ah, <sighs> They had a 38 to 20 loss and basically a home game in the Gasparilla Bowl, that being against Marshall. And I guess the one thing I could that I really wanted to start this with is that Bulls fans got their wish in the fact that their offense coordinator Sterling Gilbert is out. He's now the head coach at McNeese State.
0: So, USF's problems are fixed, right? Exactly. He he was the
1: issue. He was so they the must, issue. So, they're automatically going to be better because he's gone. Yep. Now, Kim, well, let's talk about the fun stuff. Both backup quarterbacks are transferring. They had 11 guys suspended for that bowl game, also for assistance. None of them are allowed back on that team next year. And some of those guys were solid players. And most of them actually played on offense, too. We're talking about a good chunk of the playmakers for USF's offense will be gone next year. Both backups gone. Anything happens to Blake Barnett, the Bulls are going to be in trouble.
0: Well, I've learned through unnamed sources, who I'm sure you can guess, aka the people in our comments section, that Barnett's going to be better because he went down Sterling Gilbert is gone. Uh-huh. and they have a ton of talent at running back and wide receiver again this year, and their defense is good. That's what I heard. So they're going to be good again. Didn't we
1: hear the same thing last year at this time? Oh, exactly. The exact same stuff. And didn't they lose, what was it, five in a row to end the season? Exa- yeah. Oh, excuse it, me, it excuse like, me, six in a row to end the six season. Six in a row, yeah. yeah. I And I don't uh, –
0: yeah. I don't really care if that's your opinion, but, like, our opinion is out there, too, and when we're right, no one admits it. We're never right. Or, no. You know, 2019 is a different year. We're always right. That's what I'm going to say. In 2019, you mean? 2019. Yeah, that's what I said. What did I say? I thought you said 2018. In uh, 2002, we're always right. 20, it's 20 I don't know. It's also. Here's the thing, like, what what did we say this year with USF? We, when they were seven and zero, they haven't beat anybody. And then it was, oh, will they beat Illinois and Georgia Tech? Okay, no, don't care, doesn't count. Georgia Tech, look, it was they're okay, and then Illinois was what four and eight?
1: Terrible.
0: That's not a good win. No. And their other wins were against Elon, ECU, UConn, and probably Tulsa. I don't know. Some just garbage.
1: Trash. And then the next trash for for the best word.
0: And and, and I understand that you're 7 and 0. Congratulations. But you didn't beat anybody. That's a thing. And then it just proved our point. The, the next 6 games proved our point. They can they couldn't win. They it's like it's literally we said what we said. We had our opinions and their fans were upset, even though it was weird because the Daily Stampede was saying the same things that you and I were saying or very similar. And it's like almost like because we're not their blog that we're wrong, doesn't make any sense.
1: We are wrong. We're always wrong. Nope.
0: 2019, we're always right.
1: Let's just get out of there because I – don't even want to talk about them anymore
0: <laughs> we'll wait till the season begins to get back on it
1: yeah they've got a lot of work to do mm-hmm. to, to get back in our good graces all right now let's talk about the team that was my sleeper team coming in the year but they didn't play up to standards at least for me i guess that would be SMU finished with a 5-7 record, 4-4 four and four in the conference. And I guess the biggest news coming out of this program is the fact that the school leader in passing yards, total offense, completions, and passing touchdowns is transferring. And that would be Ben Hicks. And... I'm patting myself on the shoulder right now because I kind of called it earlier in the year. When they benched him that game, they they were playing with fire, basically.
0: I was just going to say that I was I should uh, tell you to pat yourself on the back for calling that because – and I agree because – I agreed when you said it. It just didn't seem like Sonny Dykes and him were getting along, and it just – I don't know, just wasn't meant to be, and – I hope he lands on his feet somewhere. I don't know where he's going, but I hope everything turns out for him.
1: Now, the thing that uh, I think I'm right when I said is he's not transferring as a graduate transfer, is he? Uh, I don't think so. So if he, you know, wherever he goes, I mean, basically, actually, he's got to go down a level because I can't see the, you know, I can't see the NCA giving him some kind of waiver to be automatically eligible unless. So he's either going to go down a level or he's going to sit out a year.
0: I mean, maybe he'll sit out a year, go to a program that. I don't know. I can't think of who we go to. Go to ECU. No, wait, don't go to ECU.
1: No, because Well, we're going to talk about them in a second. Even ECU maybe has a quarterback.
0: Go to, U- go to USF. They need all the help they can get.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. In two years, yeah, because Blake Barnett will be gone. I just solved your guys' problems, USF. You're welcome. <laughs> Alright, let's talk about the four bottom feeders in the conference. One of them, I feel bad saying is a bottom feeder, but they were this year. That being Navy. Um, didn't make it to a ball game this year. Uh, I, I called their their year before the season started. I, I really, really didn't like their schedule. and That's exactly what happened to them. Their, their schedule just kicked them in the all season long, basically. But I think what stings them most, obviously, would be this is the third year in a row they lost to Army after dominating that series for the better part of the past millennium, let's be real.
0: I mean, okay, so you did call it, but did you see them going 3-10? and ten?
1: I saw them winning four games, actually.
0: And I think 3-10 surprises me. Yeah.
1: Wow. The, you know was, the worst part they, about they that were, they had all that because that's what i when i made this prediction it wasn't because yeah navy's offense yeah, it it travels let's just put it that way but it was all the traveling that navy had to do they were literally one week they'd be in annapolis the next week san diego well they, excuse me they started here in hawaii then the next week they were in annapolis and the following week they were in Texas and then they were you know back home in Maryland and then they had that game in San Diego against Notre Dame so they were literally all over the country only Hawaii traveled more and I knew that was going to catch up to them at some point point.
0: and they now travel was... by
1: sea so then I had to do all that air travel it was guaranteed
0: yeah we you know what's scary though is Malcolm Perry's their only returning quarterback now <laughs>
1: Yep, I was actually going to bring that up. Actually, so just to go even further with that, only six starters return on offense and five on defense. Yikes. Uh, They are looking at – they're going to be with a reasonable record again next year. I'm sorry. Unless they find another quarterback because I think they even realize now that Perry is not a quarterback, at least doesn't run their system as a quarterback well. He's better suited as their slot back or whatever they, whatever their terminology is that they're using down there.
0: Right, and he he can run, but he's, he's oh, I he's, think he's five nine.
1: Yeah, he's yeah he's too small. He he can't take the pounding of. He can take the pounding of, ten to fifteen carries a game, but not the Navy quarterback carries. A, you know he he's going to take it a good. 25 30 times which is what we saw from keenan reynolds for all those years exactly so that i mean that that's the the problem unless they have somebody coming in that we don't know about and based on what their recruiting ranking is at 105 i don't see that happening so i don't don't know what navy's going to do down there i think next year is going to be another year of let's another year they're going to lose the army for sure and they'll probably be in the bottom four teams again in this conference yikes now here's a team that I think next year maybe maybe will compete we'll see how it goes that being Tulsa now they finished the season 3-9 and nine, and at one point had a 7 game losing streak but they did show me a little something on the last game to beat SMU to spoil their bowl bid I think we didn't really mention that with SMU earlier they, they had a chance to make a bowl game and Tulsa ruined that for him. You know, Tulsa is a team where at least one Montgomery held on to his job. But uh, Tulsa next year, maybe they can uh, make a run next year.
0: Either that, or the other Montgomery's on the hot seat, which he should—I mean, well, he, he should be on the.
1: I was going to say maybe on the hot seat season. coming in. Yeah, he's he. When we talk about this next year, it will be one of two names that will be on the hot seat. Another guy we're gonna talk about in a little bit. How he still, how the other guy still has a job is beyond me. Yeah, it's
0: uh, it's gonna be interesting. That's for sure. I mean, I feel like Tulsa's a quarterback away from, or excuse me, a passing quarterback away.
1: Yes, emphasis on that passing quarterback. Because they seem to have bits, you know, they have some pieces, but they just didn't have a quarterback this year. Exactly. They literally couldn't get anything done. Now, on the flip side, the team that I have bashed arguably the most the past two years, that would be ECU, they finally did what I've been asking them to do, though. They finally just said, you know what, it's time to give up on Scotty Montgomery. Guy went 9-27 and in three seasons there. You know, every year it was the same thing. It was 3-9 and nine every year. Now the one good thing that he will leave Mike Houston, who was previously the JMU head coach and is now taking over, he did leave him with a dual threat quarterback in Holton is it Aylers or Allers? I don't want
0: to. Get... I've heard
1: Aylers. Aylers That's but... all I've heard. Okay. Who looks like he might be something that ECU could build around. And it's more of finding some, you know, some things around him, but he looks to maybe be somebody that ECU can work with almost like a David Pindell at UConn. Let's basically just put your best athlete at quarterback and hope something good happens.
0: Yeah. It's going to be hard with Trayvon Brown gone, but I I like where ECU is going. I don't necessarily know if they're going to.
1: You, you just mentioned Trayvon Brown. The one thing about ECU that I never understand is they always seem to have the, at least one good receiver.
0: Right? Isn't that crazy?
1: I don't understand how they pull that off, but they always manage to have that one guy.
0: Yeah, and now they got to find a new guy, but they do have some talent coming back. So, I mean, you mentioned Ehlers, and they got a couple running backs that I like. It's the defense.
1: It shocked me to see ECU's uh, ranking for this for this year being 67. That shocked me, because considering the fact of what we've seen from ECU. like What, what has enticed these recruits to go there? Right. But um, that's going to give Mike Houston something to work with.
0: Exactly, yeah. That's why I think they're going to be better next year.
1: Yeah, uh, it'll, That'll be something to keep an eye on. Uh, maybe get you I will, off the hate train. Maybe it, I was just about to say that. Maybe it will get me in their good graces. We'll see how things go. Maybe that's what I need. Maybe I need a nice coaching change. There you go. Who really needs to go to change is UConn now?
0: How, it been, how is does David Bendel F- gone? I thought I saw he's a senior. Is he really? Yeah, I think. Yeah, so that's. Ugh.
1: So they have nothing next
0: year. <laughs> I mean, they got some offensive weapons, Ooh, but don't, they no, don't. Wait,
1: wait, wait! They do have something. Hold on. Let's. They have three things. They have the record. For most yards per game So it's 617.4 They have the record For most points per game allowed At 50.4 And the record for most total points Against is 605 That's what they got And they got Randy Etzel. I have been So I live in Maryland So Randy Etzel has been In front of me for a while now God is terrible how he is still a coach in the FBS level blows my mind.
0: Yeah, it's not going well.
1: No, it's not. 1-11. I mean, what is there to say? And it's not just a 1-11. Like, it's literally beatdowns in every game.
0: And then struggle to beat an FCS team.
1: <laughs> exactly. Win that game by a touchdown. Yeah. This is a program that and we've said in the past I've wouldn't surprise us if they decided to just get rid of the program because it doesn't seem like just by retaining Edsel it doesn't seem like UConn cares about their football program like they're totally fine with just being who they are now I understand Edsel this is the second time around the first time he was there they had some if you want to call it success like going 500 is success but I guess that's the standard of UConn. I don't. I don't know.
0: Yeah, but it's all it's, all relevant.
1: Well, here's the thing. So we this is the argument we have tried to make now for for two years. So if if the conference really really wants to make this P six movement that they keep talking about, you need UConn to play its part. At least ECU. You know what I mean? Like I've 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 knocked ECU a lot, but at least they're trying. Tulsa—they've been bad this year, but at least they're trying. It's
0: that it's an, and it's not—it's not even like the in-conference play, because obviously you don't want everybody to have a similar record. It's it, you really need them in non-conference. That's really where you need to make your mark.
1: Yeah, and at least you know, like, teams right now, like literally, put UConn in the same level as—I mean, let's just talk about mid-tier FCS teams. Like that's the level that they're on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, North Dakota would be a huge favorite against... Or North Dakota State would be a huge favorite against UConn. Eastern Washington would be a huge favorite against UConn. Huge. Yeah. I would be willing to put that at least a two-touchdown favorite. Either one of those teams. And it's just the direction that UConn is going in, it doesn't help the conference. Now, UConn does help the conference in... Basketball, obviously, but at least for football, like they they don't contribute whatsoever. Yeah, that's the
0: hard part is they're frustrating.
1: I mean, even the recruiting ranking shows 123rd. Like they're they're not trying. Bad. They're not trying. When I say that SMU, who was one of the bottom five teams in the conference, they finished at 63. I said earlier, ECU 67. These are two. Two of the five worst teams in the conference. They are two of the top five teams in terms of recruiting next year. Meanwhile, you got UConn, who's just all the way at the bottom at 123rd. Like, just just doesn't seem to see the effort in the football.
0: Can we trade UConn for, like, $5?
1: Or SMU? Or a JMU, I meant to say?
0: Sure, yeah. Or... Yeah, just get rid of them.
1: Wichita State. What was what was the other ones we we've talked about coming in this year?
0: Just the football program. We'll trade them for five bucks. That's cheap. I
1: like seven.
0: Let's trade them for Wichita State's football program.
1: That works. At least they're trying to have a program. They're trying to bring back. (laughs) At least they're trying to bring it back. Somebody's trying. UConn is not. And all right, I guess we'll end this episode on this note here. AAC two and five in bowl games. Only the MAC was worse at one and five. But here's the thing, like I kind of said earlier, so we play quality opponents in this conference because if you look at the three conferences with the best records, it was Conference USA, Sun Belt, and Mountain West. I think we can all agree that those three conferences aren't on the same level as the American I would agree I would agree all right anything else you want to add on this long anticipated show by all of our great listeners who probably don't listen anymore because we haven't done this in a while
0: yeah, hopefully they're still here and uh we did
1: have a couple of people ask for us just,
0: that's true that's true
1: just uh
0: all three we, listeners
1: All yeah that's true also we, we
0: appreciate all three of you
1: it's just uh we usually do this on mondays or tuesdays and the holidays have been mondays tuesdays and work and joe's married and you know,
0: life yeah, happens. Minor details.
1: Life happens, but we're glad to be back talking football, even though college football is over. Exactly. We'll still find things to talk about this off season. But I guess on that note, this is the time to end this episode. If you are not following us on Facebook and Twitter, please do so at Underdog Dynasty. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Serp. Joe, where do they find you? Joe Broback. All right. And that's why we're called Joe Talk once again. Thanks for listening. And hopefully it doesn't take us another month and a half to do another AAC episode.